Madness is the word of the day for today, Monday, March 22nd, 2021. Madness. Rutgers did it Sunday best. Illinois is finished. They can now rest. Orals going up downstairs. My bracket in the bottom of the trash. My bracket in the bottom of my trash. Can you imagine? Tournament's over. Badgers lose. Rutgers loses. Baylor's good. I'm done. I was all excited to win. I know that when you did the MPDS bracket, and there's so many of you who did it, which is great, the brackets get busted. They call it a bracket buster when a number one seed loses or whatever. And now it's all automated. I used to walk around with a piece of paper, and I'd put an X when a team would lose. And if I had them winning the next round, I'd have to have another X. I've lost three Final Four teams, so I have Xs all through the bracket, but I have nothing printed out because it's automatic on the CBS Sports app. It's been exciting, except I'm despondent. And if you don't know what song I just sang, then please listen to the song. Madness, word of the day. But the biggest story of the tournament so far, from my standpoint, from nothing personal standpoint, is what happened day one of the tournament when a video was released by one of the women NCAA players showing the weight room for the women athletes, comparing it to the weight room of the male athletes, showing the swag bag of that the female athletes get versus the swag bag. So when you're an athlete, you check into your room in the bubble and you're on a team. If you're in the men's draw, you got this amazing bag. Like when you go to the Oscars or the Grammys or the Tonys, you get this swag bag of really cool stuff, really expensive stuff. Like the Oscar swag bag can be worth like $50,000 sometimes. So the men's swag bag was this glorious bag and the women's swag bag was, uh, was stuff that you can basically get at a dollar store. And the weight room was one little, no machines. It was one little tower of dumbbells. And the men had this huge weight room, spaced out machines, every machine you can think of. It was glorious. And the women athletes lost their minds. And then it just started. The NCAA had some of the worst press I've ever seen an organization have. Dick Sporting Goods said, we're ready to donate an entire weight room right now. We'll have it in Indianapolis in 20 minutes. The NCAA was forced to comment on the oversight. They were forced to respond, saying that there was an error in judgment, a lapse in judgment. Then word came out that the COVID testing done for the men was PCR testing, but the COVID testing done for the women was rapid testing with occasional PCR testing. I wanna take you inside the NCAA. And a discussion that must have taken place and here's how it goes. Hey, uh, here's the committees getting ready for the NCAA tournament 2021. We've got all these COVID protocols we've got to deal with. So I want to give you our memo of what we're going to do step by step. Here's what we're going to have every team do from the initial quarantine to the bubble. Here's what we're doing with hotel workers. Here's how we're getting players to the game. Here's where the games are going to be. Here's what we're doing with the referees. We've got it all planned out. Here's what we're going to do for food everything. And in that memo is also going to be a layout because when you're planning an event like this with event planners, with your internal staff, you have a layout, a map of the area where every stadium is, field house, what the driving time is between the field houses. We did this for the all-star game 
We had every part of Miami mapped out where players were going to be, where staff were going to be, where the umpires were going to be, when they were landing at the airport, how they were getting from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to Marlins Park for the workout, how they were getting into Miami Beach for the fan fest, who was going to appear when. It was the most comprehensive plan. When And this is pre-COVID. When they get to the ballpark, here's the entrance they go in. Here's the clubhouse. Here's where every locker is in the clubhouse. Here's the home run derby. Which locker the players have in the home run derby? Which players are doing the home run derby, but not the all-star game? Where they're going to be, how they're going to be, what they're going to do. A complete plan. For the NCAA tournament, I'd like to believe that they are just as organized as we were and baseball was for the all-star game for the playoffs. We did the same thing. There was a complete run of show, even a regular season game for crying out loud. You have a run of show of what's going to happen. A timeline every minute from players arriving to taking the field to the anthem, yada, yada. So at some point in this meeting, there was part of the memo that had pictures because there's also on-site visits. Before hosting anything that involves your league, you are taking them on a tour of everything. There are people who saw every hotel, every suite in the hotel, every regular room in the hotel, every double room, king room, where the food is, how many elevators, are there express elevators? Which elevators are going to be stopped during the post game when the players come back from a game to get them to their rooms fastest without having anyone else near them? down to the last detail. So they go on a site visit. This is the space for the weight room. They're gonna come in, here's the schedule for the weight room. Here are the machines. Here's where the machines are going because there's tape on the floor that's labeled that shows where the machines are going. Fine. Here's the ladies room. No one said a word, nobody. Here's the COVID testing protocol. Wow, that looks different. No one said a word. It's 2021. Equality is supposed to matter. NCAA is supposed to care. And boy, did they show their true colors. And yet there were so many people on the Twitter saying, the men's tournament, that's where the money is. I'm a money guy. I'm in. There is no question that CBS pays more for the men's tournament than anybody would pay for the women's tournament. I get it. More sponsors, more eyeballs. I'm in. But there's no prize money given. Do you agree with that? We've discussed that. The players aren't getting paid. Conferences are. Schools are, but no players. The total cost of equality for COVID testing swag bags and weight room size is a rounding error for the NCAA budget for its March tournament. A rounding error. I think there's going to be firings. I think there should be firings. I think that when you employ someone who doesn't notice something that is as obvious as that, that's not someone I want working for me. You don't learn that from a resume, by the way, people's attention to detail. You can put on your resume that your, atten your attention to detail. You can put within the explanation of different jobs you've had in charge of blank, 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 blank. But until you hire someone, until you work for someone you really don't know, 
I think this will not end well for several employees with the NCAA. I think the days of inequality for the women and men in their tournament are now over, but it shouldn't have had to take this outrageously bad PR, which was so worth it. And the people saying, ah, it's more money. Give me a break. And I'm the money guy. VCU, out. COVID. The coaches had to say Virginia Commonwealth University was eliminated from the tournament. Oregon beat them one nothing in a forfeit. They called it a no contest, which is funny because it wasn't a no contest because they had no players. So therefore, Oregon went to the second round. As hard as they tried to have a COVID-19 protocol, this disease, this virus, it's still quite catchy. So the VCU people in charge had to give the statement, which you have to give. We followed every protocol. We have no idea how we got this. We are a team that follows the rules. We are very, very sad because we had five players who we felt were able to play and we were ready to go with five. We thought that was the rule. Well, the NCAA decided, nope, we are not going to let VCU play. I think that that was a interesting move. If I were running the tournament, I'm going to make an example of a team as quickly as I can in the first round. The minute I have an opening where there's a positive test anywhere, I'm going to cancel that team because that's my best chance of getting to the end of the tournament without losing stars or losing teams. Because can you imagine a cancellation in the final four or the elite eight? That would be not good. So I think the NCAA was smart in doing what it did in making the decision not to let VCU play because believe me, there were 62 team meetings following VCU. I may have the number wrong, Coca. Are there 64 teams in the NCAA plus eight play-ins minus, two, minus the four who win? So it's 64 plus the four losers. So it's 68 teams. I may be close, but I may not be. And it's Monday. Coke, I think, is eating peanut butter and banana on a rice cracker, so he doesn't have time to focus on the show. I think when I sang my own song of madness, I think he left. All right, Coca, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I hear me. So, and you hear me. So I think that the NCAA did this on purpose, and it makes perfect sense that they would because it would let 67 other teams realize, wow, we are going to be very careful. I think that we should have done a... Uh, as I think about it a little bit, I think we should have, in addition to a prize for the best bracket with MPDS, I think we should have done a prize for the worst bracket because I am in line to finish 470th out of 470. I thought Rutgers and Wisconsin would make the final four. I thought Texas would make the final four. So I only have one team left in the final four. I think Warren Buffett, do you remember Coco when Buffett would, uh, offer a billion dollars for a perfect bracket. I think we should have offered like a huge money amount. When we were with the Marlins, we would offer these uh, interesting rewards for different contests, like hit a ball in this one spot during the game and we'll give you a million bucks. We did one one year where we said we'd pay the mortgage. We'd pay someone's mortgage for a year if they won some contest. I think they did and we did pay someone's mortgage for a year. We did not insure it. We self-insured that because there's no reason to insure it. You're going to lose when you guarantee you're going to do it. But when you put something in your ballpark that says hit it here 
for a million dollars or for this or that, you can insure it, but we generally would self-insure because it's so expensive to insure that if someone hits it there, we'll buy him the car or we'll buy him, give him the million dollars. It would make sense because let's say the insurance is a hundred grand. No one's going to hit it there more than once every 10 years. So it's a tie once every 10 years. We never had to give away a million dollars, but I think I would do that. Try to try to say to someone, hey, next year, Coca, that's what we're going to do for the MPDS CBS brackets. A million dollars for the perfect bracket. We can make it 10 million, make it 100 million, go get insurance for it. There, there can't be there because now that it's automated, I guess what we'd have to look out for is hacking. We'd have to be aware of that. Maybe we'd have to take a picture of each bracket before it would start. I wonder if could you hack into CBS's mainframe and make your bracket perfect? Well, I think there were no perfect brackets in the entire country after first round with all the upsets. I don't understand how there could be any perfect brackets because who could guess the craziness that happens, which is why college basketball is so much fun. There was a guy who had a chance for a big upset, a former coach of the Knicks who was near and dear to me. His name is Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino coached the Knicks in the late 80s. Coca, as I recall, I believe he was the coach of the Knicks when we beat Detroit in 1984 in a best of five in a game five in Boston and then went to in, in Detroit and then went to the Celtics in the second round and lost in seven. I don't know why that's in my mind, but I believe that's the 84-85 team. And I believe that was Patrick Ewing's first year. Uh, you can check it. I'm sure it's Googleable, but I could be wrong. And he may not have been the head coach until the late 80s, like 88, 89. Anyway, it doesn't matter. When was he the head coach? 87. So who was the head coach when they beat the Pistons in 84, 85, and then lost to the Celtics in seven? Could that have been Hubie Brown back then? In any case, Rick Pitino, head coach, he was this fiery guy. And uh, it was not meant for him in the NBA because the NBA players basically, he was intense. He would do full court pressure the entire game. He would do, he would basically coach the NBA the way he coached college. And the NBA players making their money were like, eh, I don't really feel like practicing at 9 a.m. for four hours. And I really have no interest in any sort of full court press for any more than the last minute of the game if we're losing by one possession. If we're down two possessions, screw it. We'll foul. Let him go to the free throw line. See if we can hit a three and tie it or win it. But full court press makes me tired. So Patino gets fired by the Knicks. It's possible that Pat Riley replaced him, though I can't commit to that. And Patino ends up going back to college, gets a job, sort of like the Larry Brown of coaches, place to place. He was in Louisville for quite a while, did well with them. Then he got fired because he got involved in some scandal. And then he resurfaced at a school called Iona. Iona is a school where, are you ready for this, listeners? I don't know where anybody went to college. I remember a few people like Michael Jordan, North Carolina, James Worthy, North Carolina, Akeem Olajuwon, I think was in Phi Slamma Jamma in Houston. Uh, although maybe that was just Clyde Drexler. I don't, I just don't know. But I do know, and I don't know why, Coca, a player, an old player who played for the Washington Bullets, a guy named Jeff Ruland. And this is checkable, and I'll probably be corrected. I believe Jeff Ruland went to Iona. 
So Rick Pitino gets a job in Iona. Meanwhile, his son was fired and then hired like, like two seconds later by New Mexico. Did you see his son's quote, by the way? Side note, not in the show. Rick Pitino's son was a head coach who got fired and then was hired an hour later by New Mexico and did a press release that said, our family is so excited to be Aztecs. We are so excited to be in the New Mexico community and to move to New Mexico. And it was as though he had been there a lot and couldn't wait. What can you learn about a community in 65 minutes? Anyway, just say that, hey, they offered me a job. I'd been fired and my family knows the rule. When you are a Patino or you are a college coach in general, you're going to move around a lot. So if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. By the way, that's the baseball world. If you want to be in player development or scouting or coaching or playing, the odds are you're going to be moving city to city. By the way, Coca did find Jeff Ruland. How I knew that Jeff Ruland was the star of Iona. My brain needs to be studied. I may leave my brain to science because I know the most random stuff, yet the important things that matter to people around me who I care about, I can't remember a thing. It's not ideal. So Rick Pitino goes to Iona. Iona almost has an upset in the first round. They have a great appearance. They lose. They lost to uh, Bear Bryant in Alabama, who was a two seed, so they were a 13 seed or a 14 or a 15. They were a 15 seed. What interests me is after the game, Rick Pitino was asked, Hey, listen, you're going to be, you're going to get back to a major college program. Now you've taken Iona and the best that's happened is a 1980 showing with Jeff Ruland and you've made them relevant again. And Rick Pitino said, quote, I want no part of the so-called big time anymore. It's no longer about me trying to move up any ladders, make more money. I'm in a great place in my life. I can coach six, seven more years, God willing, just try to make young men better. Try to make the program reach heights it's never reached. That's all I have planned. It's a great place to be. There's some things that suck about being 68. The great thing about it is being at Iona, being able to teach with nobody bothering you. Just make the players better. Cue it, Coca, cue the music. Na, 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 da, 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 da. If Rick Pitino is offered a 20 million, 40 year deal to coach at one of the big programs, he'll be gone so fast. He'll make the flash look like vision. I don't know why Rick had to say that. All right, let's do a bet here, Coca. It's not my way to see for the day. Rick Pitino will not be coaching Iona for five years. He just won't. And he's not going to coach it to retire. Actually, let's make it a better wait to see. Add this to the wait to see because we have a different wait to see coming later in the show. The wait to see today, Coca, is that Rick Pitino will coach again, not at Iona. That's the wait to see. He will find another place to coach because his line. Oh, God. I don't want the big time. Rick Pitino, you're meant for the big time. Okay, that's it, Rick. Good luck to you. All right, I want to end my talk about the tournament with another thing that happened, and I left it for the end because I'm so angry about it. And I'm so angry. The, the improvement that we have in our world with technology is on balance way better for society. Technology matters. You have to embrace it. 
What I don't like about technology is the ability of people to take a stand on a subject they don't know, to make a comment about a subject they don't understand, or to make a threat to a person they've never met for no reason. I told you in my life with the Marlins, I had more than five threats, death threats that were investigated, people angry over trades, people angry over financing of Stadia, whatever the case may be. I can't tell you how crappy it feels to have that. But you know that you just can't stop your life. You go on and you get security and you do your best. We talked about on last week's show, I don't remember which show, the proliferation of gambling, the fact that all these schools and all these leagues are now in bed with gamblers, which they are. And the gamblers that the league should be worried about are not the people doing brackets, not the people who have a bookie who are betting 20 bucks a game or not the people on William Hill Sportsbook going to a sportsbook in Vegas and betting $100 a game. There's an entire underworld of gambling where there's a lot more money at stake. And that can lead to a loss of integrity for the sport. That's the macro issue of gambling, which we covered. The micro issue is what happened to EJ Little. EJ Little is a player for Ohio State. Ohio State lost in the first round in a major upset in the NCAA tournament. EJ Little took a screenshot of his DMs on his social media account, and it made me ill. The keyboard courage, the cyber courage shown by people to say something. I'd like them to see AJ Little up close and threaten him and make death threats, say the things they said to him. Ohio State lost. It sucks. No doubt. If you're from Ohio State and you're a Buckeye, you're expecting a Final Four. You want to go to Indiana and party and enjoy. And all of a sudden they're out and that's it. Many of the players don't come back. This moment can never be repeated. You bet on the game and lost. I'm in. I get it but you threaten the player, you spew racism and hatred because of a lost game and your lost money. How do those people live with themselves? Maybe the more important question is, are they so delusional and narcissistic that they look in the mirror at the end of the day, they look at their phone and see what they texted and DM'd and they think that makes total sense. I, I mean, how would you not threaten a guy who's on a team that lost in the first round to a number 15 seed? That's like a Tuesday. I send these kind of texts to the checkout person at the grocery store when she makes a mistake. It's the only way I can rationalize it in my head is that these are just sick people who think that it's totally fine. I think EJ Little should have gone public. I'm thankful he did go public. But the question I have for you as a listener to nothing personal. When does the change come? How many of you listening to the show have spoken with someone after a game and said that MFR, God, does he suck? And then you've taken it another step or another step. I can't believe I lost that bet. That's one group of you, right? You say that. The lower group is the group that thinks it, but doesn't say it. The mid group is the group that says it, but doesn't mean it. And the tip of the group 
is the say it, mean it, and act on it, right? That's the tip top where you don't just threaten, you actually attempt it. You don't just say you're going to beat up his family, you do it. If we ever get to that tip top of the food chain of gamblers and of people with cyber and keyboard courage, that'll be it. We will have given up our right to this technological advance, to the access we have to players and people on Twitter, on social media. We are one idiot felon away from losing all of the pleasure that we get by getting inside looks into athletes and stars. And in order to not get to that point, go further down the pipeline where some of you, including me, have lived from time to time and get out of that space. If you're in the pipeline where you just say it, but don't mean it, then you have to downgrade. Don't even say it, just think it. If you just think it, but don't say it, downgrade, don't even think it. If you say it and mean it, downgrade it and just say it and don't mean it. I need everyone to downgrade where they are in the pipeline of keyboard cyber courage or what you do when you're just around your friends and family. Because if everyone takes it down a notch, that means we'll be further away from the tip of this horrific iceberg, which can lead to the end of sports entertainment. I just don't understand it, Coca. Do you think EJ Little really wanted to lose? Justin Turner had a good post. You could read his post. Athletes don't want to lose. Some of them don't care about winning. And I know that to be true. But none of them purposely try to lose. They don't want to lose. Maybe they're too hungover to play or not in the mood or they're injured or they don't want to play because of a contract situation. But they're not purposely trying to lose. You think EJ Little doesn't know that his team was a letdown? Please go down the pipeline, please. All right, we had the nothing personal pick of the day. We were 37 and 21 going into the weekend. I gave you two picks, Wisconsin plus one and a half versus UNC, and that was a straight winner. That's when I really thought Wisconsin could beat Baylor. I really thought that Wisconsin could make it to the final four and win the whole damn thing. And then I watched the game against Baylor and I said, oh my God, I'm such a homer. It wasn't even close. They didn't belong in the same court. That was a winner. My Saturday pick was Patrick Ewing. I really thought they would not get blown out by Colorado. I thought Patrick would have him ready to play. And he did just in the second half. They played him even in the second half, but they played him down 23 in the first half. We lost that game. We were only getting six and a half. So that's a one and one weekend. So we are now 38 and 22 on the nothing personal pick of the day. We're going back to the NBA today. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Coca, I believe played last night and got absolutely whooped. Or did I read it wrong and they did the whooping? What did the Cavaliers do last night? They're playing the second of a back-to-back. They're at home against the Sacramento Kings. And I'm betting against Kevin Johnson. And I am betting for Brad Dougherty, Craig Elo, and Mark Price. I think the Cavs getting four and a half against the Kings. I'm not sure why that's happening. I mean, I know LeBron is out. So, and the Cavs were able to win last night against the Raptors. And I'm saying that they're going to be able to come back and win two in a row because they're learning to play without LeBron. And they're learning to play without Dowerty and Price and Elo. <laughs> it's too many points, folks. Take the Cavs. Plus four and a half, second game of a back-to-back. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie 
That is awesome. Nominated for two Academy Awards. We're also going to get into some baseball because I feel like I've got 20 pounds of weight on my back right now. And uh, we're going to get to that. So please come on back to Nothing Personal. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, Nothing Personal. Hit subscribe, rate and review on Apple. We're going to do a mailbag bonus episode at the end of the month. Get on Apple, put in your reviews, ask a question within the review and I'll answer it. Download, subscribe, tell your friends about our show. It's a fun show we got here. I was going to say a fun little show. It's not so little anymore, Coca. We're getting all these new resources from CBS. I got sent this pen. I mean, how great is that? I have a pen and a water bottle. I'm touched. So I watch a movie every day. We review one movie TV show. There's a movie nominated for best foreign film. It's called Another Round. It stars the guy who had blood in his eye in one of the James Bond movies. His name is Mads Mikkelsen. It's a Denmark movie. That's not the word. A Danish movie? Is that the word, Coca? I was going to say Denmarkian. I think it's a, 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 a Danish, or is that the thing you eat? Wait a minute. Is the chocolate Danish that you eat from Denmark? Did I just realize something that I never realized before? That Danish were invented in Denmark? Or is it not even Danish people in Denmark? Or is another round not even from Denmark? I thought it was in Danish. Maybe that's just a language. Oy vey. I guess I got it wrong. Coco, we're going to have to check on that. We're going to get a correction at David P. Sampson on Twitter. I guarantee that. I think people in Denmark are called Danes. No, they're not. Anyway, there's a movie called Another Round. It stars Mads Mikkelsen. I want to talk about this movie because it fascinated me. Every year until the pandemic starting in 2006, a group of guys, four of us, formed something called the Cultural Exchange Club. Cultural Exchange Club is a group that goes to a different sporting event every year. It started in 06 with the Ironman in Hawaii, where I was a participant. Then in 07, we went to England to watch the Giants and Dolphins play an NFL game in London at Wembley. We've gone to the World Sumo Wrestling Championships, to the Polo Championships in Buenos Aires. We do these crazy trips every year. The Macau Grand Prix. We went to Anfield in Liverpool. Last year, we couldn't do anything because uh, of COVID. And it's our one trip a year. 
and it's four of us. We're all very close friends. And it is a, um, it's the type of thing where uh, you want cameras off because it's a weekend of a lot of travel, a lot of partying. Another round is about four guys who work together and they live in Denmark where people drink a lot and they decide to do a test. They want to drink all during the day and see how that impacts their function, both professionally and socially. Well, wouldn't you know it, they start drinking and they start performing better on and off the field. And then they say, let's drink a little more, let's drink a little more. The four actors playing the four friends are phenomenal. I'd only heard of Mads Mikkelsen. The director is nominated for best director in the Academy Awards, which I never heard of the movie when they named the nominations, when Nick Jonas and his wife uh, did the nominations. I'm just forgetting her name or I would have said it. I, I think it's something Chopra Jonas. They did the, they announced it and I said, who is, who is, what's another round? I've never heard of it. In any case, I watched it and it's a movie about what happens to these four friends who do this experiment, how it ends, what happens to their families, what happens to their friendship, what happens to their job. It's obviously in subtitles and I barely remember reading the subtitles because I was so engrossed in the characters. The scene at the end of another round will cause you to have multiple discussions, multiple. And Coca is telling me that people of Denmark are called Danes, but things that are from Denmark are called Danish. I guess that means the pastry that we eat is from Denmark. I've never had a Danish, by the way, in my life. Never say never. I've never tasted a Danish. I think those are the things that have cream, cream inside where I, I don't eat like croissant with jelly inside, just a pan au chocolat with chocolate inside. I don't like jelly and stuff. I don't like cake that has jelly in it or any of the uh, gooey stuff in the middle of a pastry. I just don't like it. It feels like empty calories. I always say to myself, God, now you have to run 10 miles just to play for the tie. I don't know why I just got off on that subject. What were we even talking about? What's, what, what are we up to here, Coca? Rick Pitino. Were you just talking about Pitino? No, can't be. Another round. We were reviewing another round. So best director. I go into these weird spells for 45 minutes a day. It's very bizarre. Please go see another round. You can rent it. It is worth it. It is worth it. It may be free on Hulu. I don't know where it is. It's either on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon. It's streaming. See it. Wait for the end, please, and let me know what you think of the end of another round. All right, Coca. I feel a weight on my back. How do we get it off? You know what I want? You know what you want. You want to watch Half-Baked. You want to be fully baked when you watch Half-Baked. But what you don't want is to be caught with 21 pounds of weed because you don't need that to get baked. Watch Half-Baked and then see that everyone wants to talk to Samson. So you get into my Twitter at David P. Samson, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N and ask a question. And if it's fun, interesting, I'll do it on the show. If it's fun, interesting, but I can't fit it into the show, I'll respond to it. If it's not fun, not interesting, and it doesn't strike my fancy, I may still respond to it. And if it's none of the above, <clears throat> I won't respond at all. So you want to talk to Samson. How does the call go when a minor leaguer gets caught with 21 pounds of meth and one and a half pounds of oxy pills? <laughs> now that's a winning question. <laughs> 
you know very well that that's going to make the show. What am I talking about? Let me give you the backstory because it's too good to be true. Jesus Camargo Corrales is a minor leaguer with the Chicago Cubs. Backstory. When you are a minor league player or a major league player and you come to spring training or you get called up in the middle of the season, you are given, not sold, not to borrow, you are given to keep a team-branded duffel bag. It's called an equipment bag. It's a special bag that you put your equipment in, and then when the team travels, you fill your equipment bag, or you have clubhouse guys fill your equipment bag with your equipment, cleats, helmets, balls, no balls, your bats, your gloves, your clothes. You close up the equipment bag, and then the equipment clubhouse people put it on a truck. The truck goes to the plane, or they load it on the bus if you're a minor leaguer. So you get a bag and it's free and it's cool. And then you keep them every year and you've got so many bags that you need a separate closet just for all the duffels that you're never gonna use and that your kids are gonna throw away when you die. So Jesus Camargo Corrales had a Chicago Cubs equipment bag, a duffel bag. He's driving along, swerving in and out in the great state of Colorado. When the sirens go off, he gets pulled over. Hey, what you doing? By the way, can I give you a hint when you're pulled over? Hey, do you know why I pulled you over? Here's what you say. No, you don't have to answer that. Where are you coming from? None of your business. You don't have to answer that. Just say, I don't know. Can I search your car? No. Even if there's nothing in a car and you've done nothing, that's what you're supposed to say. Unfortunately, there's people who don't get that memo. And Jesus Camargo Corrales did not get that memo. He was pulled over and the police asked him what he was doing, said he was driving to Arizona or driving from Arizona to Colorado. He talked about something that is quite fascinating to me. He said that, uh, and I want to get it exactly right. He said that he was going to, on a drive, they search and in the duffel bag, they find 21 pounds of meth, like with the Walter White type stuff, Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston, and one and a half pounds of Oxycontin pills. 21 pounds of meth. Who knows what the street value, let's just say it's worth 250 grand on the street, it could be worth a million bucks, who knows? But this poor prospect, didn't shut up. He ended up talking to the officer. He agreed to be interviewed. And this was his story. He said that he had a friend in Sonolia, Mexico. Sinaloa, Mexico. Do you know what that is? That's the worst drug cartel, the scariest place in the world. Amongst them. I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't need to be. He tells the cop I'm coming from Sinaloa, and I was paid $500 to deliver a duffel bag to Denver. But I think it's just equipment and shoes and clothing. Really? And then he said, wait, there could be drugs inside. Forget the $1,000 held by a rubber band that was in the trunk. I just don't get it. This player is in trouble. And he's in trouble because he's not educated enough to know what to do when you're stopped. He's 
in trouble because he wasn't educated enough not to be either a drug mule or a drug dealer because he's one of the two. Either he's telling the truth and he's being a mule, which is illegal, or he's lying and he's going to deal at 21 pounds of meth. And yet on social media, people were sympathetic to him by saying, listen, minor league players are underpaid. If one more person tweets that at me, I'm going to lose my mind. How many of you feel like you're underpaid in your job? Raise your hand. Does that give you the right to go out and be a criminal and a drug dealer or a felon or to steal or to cheat or to lie? No. Work harder, switch jobs, or revel in the fact that you are where you are and that's where you're going to be. But when you make a decision to enter into a criminal enterprise and break the law, you have foregone all rights of liberty. And stupidity is not an affirmative defense. Neither is ignorance. So here's how the call goes. It's not a great call. It's not a great call. The call goes like this. It's Sinuloa. Sinuloa. Sorry, Coca. Sinaloa. I'm so, say it, say it one more time. I want to get it right. I don't want to offend anyone. Sinaloa. Sinaloa. Never been there. Here's how the call goes, because it starts with the team. It goes to the manager of the single A team where he was, if this is during the season. If not, it goes to the player development assistant, who then calls the player development head, who then calls the GM, who then calls the president, who then calls the owner, who then calls the league. They then call their PR people. They do a statement. The Cubs did a statement. Very funny statement. I liked it. It's the typical statement. I don't know who taught these people to do these statements, but they say, we are going to investigate. We're not going to comment anymore until the end of our investigation. What are they going to do? Go to the scene? They're going to look at the car? They're going to measure the meth? They're going to speak to Jesus and say, excuse me, were you muling it or dealing it? Huh? It's just an equipment bag. Can you imagine when the dog smells the equipment bag? We had an issue in, uh, with the Expos. I just thought of this, Coca. We had someone, and I don't remember whether it was a player or a staff member, but I want to say it was a staff member who got caught with drugs coming into the Canada border because every time when we played in Montreal, every there was customs, obviously. So you go to the States, you come back. We had to fill out customs forms. You couldn't do it online. You actually had to hand out customs forms. The players had to hand them out. If the players couldn't write or read, you had to do it for them and tell them where to sign. It was a whole Megillah every single time. Totally annoying to pay Canadian taxes, to play in Canada. But I love Montreal, but still there's some downside to it, clearly. And uh, this, this person got caught because just because you're an athletic team doesn't mean your stuff is not going to get searched. So just because you have a Cubs duffel bag doesn't mean you're going to get searched. So, so the call goes, hey, can you believe this? We're going to have to release this guy. This guy's sort of a prospect. I mean, he's not a big prospect. There's a chance he could have played in AA this year, but maybe not. He was in Indiana last year. What do we do? What do we do? We got to talk to him. Should we call his agent? Do we just release him before calling his agent? So a call like that that happens with one of your better players requires immediate action. A call like that that happens with the minor leaguers who is not a real prospect requires something different. It's a, hey, take care of this and don't bother me. And I was thinking back about being a team president and how judgmental I was about people's actions according to rank file and according to level that they were. 
I wish I'd taken more responsibility. I never had a player have this happen to him, but had players who've been arrested, et cetera, et cetera. I really wish that I had taken a bigger interest because then you could try to teach the players because the, only after teaching all players and educating them would I in good conscience be able to knock on Jesus's door and say, listen, idiot, we already told you what's legal and what's illegal. We've tried to help you as much as you can. What makes you think that you should take a duffel without looking at it? What in the world makes you think that? Coke is telling me a, a, a story about uh, Carlos Perez, a former bullpen catcher for the Marlins, who now has a similar job with the Expos, asked Florida video coordinator Cole McCray. No, that's not the story I'm talking about. That's a different story, which is a, a good story too, but different. That was, that was marijuana related, different, different, different. But good one, Coca. It's Sinaloa. So the way that call works is it's based on level, skill, not ideal. The Cubs really, are, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to get Jed Hoyer to comment. You're not going to get Tom Ricketts at all. Crane Kinney, their president, none of them. Nothing, nothing at all. Okay, I want to get into uh, wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell people what's going to happen in a various subject. And if it doesn't happen, we will revisit. I promise it. If it does happen, we will revisit it. I promise. But either way, you're going to hear from us again. So when I say, wait to see Rick Pitino will coach at another school after Iona, I'm going to keep it on a, in a file and I'm going to wait. If he retires, never coaching again, that's wrong. So I had to wait to see on uh, November 16th, 2020, that the Saints will lose draft picks because of their breaking the COVID protocol, it was announced today that the Saints are going to lose a sixth round pick. That's a yes. That was November 16th of 20. Three days ago, I had to wait to see four days ago. Remember that whole service time talk about Bobby Witt? Everyone's saying Bobby Witt should be on the Royals. Bobby Witt, who's played 37 days in minor league, should be on the Royals. Forget about it. Bobby Witt was sent down. That's a yes. I've got another wait to see for you for today, and it's based on Francisco Lindor. Word came out that the Mets are now negotiating with Lindor. There's a thought and a rumor that Francisco Lindor could get up to $300 million. I want to remind you that Fernando Tatis Jr. is a shortstop like Lindor who signed a free agent contract with an annual value of 23 or 24, but that does not matter here. Tatis had not even started arbitration where he's going to make four, five, six million dollars. Lindor is in free agency. Lindor will make more than 24 million a year. The Mets will have to match Machado's 10 year, $300 million deal because Lindor is a better player than Machado. Wait to see. Lindor will actually get more than 10, 300. He will get more than $300 million from the Mets. They have no choice but to do it. Steve Cohn, the owner, is going to swallow hard. He's going to call up Lindor. And he's going to say, before the season starts, I'm going to pay you and I'm going to give in and you're going to get it all because for me, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.